0: In brass. I'm Carson Sestouli, this is Fangraph Studio, my guest on this edition of Fangraph Studio, making his fortnightly appearance in the program. This is his fortnightly appearance, he's the lead prospect analyst for com. Eric Longenhagen. Eric Longanagan is the guest and on this edition of the program, as he does every two weeks. Eric Longanagan endeavors to analyze all prospects. Of particular note, this week, if one could guarantee a general manager that a player, that an amateur prospect, would, just two years after being drafted, record two and a half wins at the major league level, that general manager would almost certainly select the player in question uh, in the first round, if not the top ten or five picks. Two and a half wins at the major league level are very valuable. Paul DeYoung was selected two years ago. And he has recorded 2 and f wins, but he was selected in the fourth round. Yet, like a lot of Cardinals players over the last decade say, he has far exceeded expectations. Indeed, consider entering this season. Paul DeYoung, Tommy Pham, and Jose Martinez had produced over the courses of their entire careers collectively fewer than two wins. Almost all of that from Tommy Pham's 2015 campaign. This year, however, they've combined for more than nine wins above replacement. It's an organization that has benefited from a number of extraordinary performances from seemingly ordinary prospects. Not only do I ask Eric Longenhagen about these three players in particular, but I also ask him to identify the next great Cardinals non-prospect. Is it Bravik Valera? Is it Bravik Valera? Is it Jacob Wilson? No, probably not, says Longenhagen. Is it Jose Adolfo Garcia? It might be. It might not be as well. Uh, Also discussed here. Prep showcases in the Phoenix area and uh, Eric Longanagan's contention we discuss here that, after a few years of producing no first-rounders, uh, that the state of Arizona might produce two of them uh, in the next draft. Uh, also discussed Yandy Diaz's swing, how it would benefit from some loft, and also how it lacks loft. And yet Yendi Diaz appears to be uh, producing somewhat acceptably anyway because of it, certainly for a Cleveland team that's played quite well. Anyway, this is merely a selection of the topics we address and follows. What I would like to address right now is Fangraphs' memberships. Firstly, to say that they exist for a reasonable sum, readers of Fangraphs.com can acquire a membership to support the great work that occurs there, that appears there, that occurs there. Furthermore, for a slightly less reasonable sum, one can acquire an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, producing faster loading speeds and also liberating one from the distortive effects of advertising fangraphs ad free membership at fangraphs.com okay uh with that complete let us now move on to our conversation what is it it is fangraphs audio who does it feature lead prospect analyst of fangraphs eric longenhagen and when does it begin right now Hey, did you know when I texted you that I had to uh, put a sack of farts to bed? I said I gotta put this sack of farts to bed. Did you understand that I was talking about my son? Uh huh. My seven week old son? Mm hmm. You didn't think I was gonna put a literal sack of
1: farts into a bed, right? No, but I do wonder. You can like trap (laughs) farts though, right? I'm pretty sure that. (laughs) This is a question
0: for. I mean, you got to make your way over to the academy to, to to have this question answered.
1: Maybe some of the people who are doing stuff with algae and renewable energy at ASU can I can just go up there and be like, hey, what sort of can you contain yeah. and transport flatulent gas?
0: <laughs> hey, my my friend just sent me a text. But look at this text message. He said he's put a sack of farts to bed. You guys know anything about this fart sack technology? <laughs> As earnest as possible. You go over there. But, you know, you could also, uh, go to, you know, the philosophy department. Is it, is it, can one capture, can one truly capture a sack of farts? Heraclitus, philosopher Heraclitus, pre Socratic philosopher, famously said, uh, no one can step in the same river twice, right? Can one truly. Can What's one the name of the philosopher?
1: Did you say colitis?
0: <laughs> he, he said, he had, he had terrible stomach pains. <clears throat> you have bloody intestines No, uh, heraclitus okay. H-E-R-A-C-L-I-T-U-S Heraclitus No no man can step in the same river twice I believe is something he said um, What uh, I'll tell you what um, Hippocrates did not say Was first do no harm Or maybe he said it eventually But primum non nocere Or non nocere Or nocere First, do no harm. I thought that was the very first line of the Hippocratic Oath, but it's not. It's not. So <clears throat> there you go. But yeah, that was I was talking about my son. I don't know if that's economy mm-hmm. or. Is this um, the only
1: podcast where you can pivot from talking about a sack of farts and whether or not it can it it could theoretically be a thing to discussing philosophers?
0: <laughs> was this is not part of? I don't. I don't know. If, you mean, with you,
1: with you, Aaron. No, no. 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 Just. I think you're the one who drives the, uh, I don't know what you want to call a pivot like that, but yeah. you're, I think you're the driving force behind that. I'm sure glad but you feel comfortable b- bouncing around. Do you feel comfortable? With me on the other end of the internet.
0: Yeah, I Eric, yeah, yeah.
1: hey, you know, uh, you and I'm I. I'm looking at a roster, I'm looking at a high school showcase roster yeah. that has a guy whose last name is spelled F-U-C-H-S and mm. another guy on the team whose last name is Blunt. And so that like, you're in good company, Carson. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, uh, that's exciting. So is this part yes, of your, it is exciting. what is this? This is part of your process? This is, are we witnessing, have we found uh, Eric Longenhagen, uh, in the middle of his own process?
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. We got schedules. Is, you got rosters. Mm hmm. Perfect game just has a bunch of tournaments here throughout the year and they have one during the fall. And so what I do is there are – I forget how many teams there are. I think there are like 80 or so for this particular tournament. And I just go through each of their rosters and I look to see which kids have – uh which rosters have a high volume of kids with D1 college commitments or uh, players with names that I'm familiar with because uh, of people I'm talking to or players I've seen in the past or guys on – showcase rosters, and I'm just sort of prioritizing a half dozen or so teams for this event. And then I just go through each of their schedules and I build it out into a master schedule for those six teams. And I just try to plan my weekend as efficiently as possible and see as many uh, relevant draft prospects for 2018 and I guess a couple 2019 kids. Um, high school kids? Yeah, high school kids.
0: How a, In a given year, what is this uh, – no are are all these Arizona kids then?
1: No, they're uh, it's a it's a travel ball tournament so there are it's not like there are some rosters that are comprised of high schools but they're from all over. There's a higher concentration of Arizona high schoolers and they're not all prospects uh and just the the four corner states like there are teams from Colorado and California and like that those the the local states make up most of the the rosters, but they're like kids from Texas and Florida and Pennsylvania and stuff.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So there's kids – You just have them. to be
1: able to pay to get here and like pay to play on these travel ball teams and it costs over a $1,000 for the teams to like register for the tournament and stuff and – yeah. So, so it's, not, so it's
0: just, Do any kids – do any teams ever right. – uh, they get a bill footed for them or or maybe if perfect game – Says, whoa, well, um, there's some talent in this one particular area, but, uh, there's less money in this particular area. So we will. It's
1: not like, I don't, PG doesn't pay for teams to come out or anything like that, but, like, that's why you see the teams are sponsored and stuff. So, like, there's a team, like, it'll say the Arizona Diamondbacks scout team or the Miami Marlins scout team or, uh, they'll be sponsored by, like, the Marucci company. Or Wilson, you know, like a sporting goods, kind of like Chico's bail bonds. It's just like Mm -hmm. that, except it's, it's a different sort of vibe. And like, um, the Marlins, the last event that, uh, they had, I think it was actually an Under Armour event here in Arizona that I went to. The Marlins, because of their ownership sale, had to like back out of sponsoring this team of high school kids. And so like Matt Harvey stepped in and like, sponsored the team and so he I guess footed the bill for at least the uniforms and potentially some travel costs and like that sort of stuff so like it comes you can kind of do it however you want whether it's from corporate sponsors sponsorship or fundraising of some kind uh, but yeah like it does cost money for these kids to play
0: so is this something in which I want my my uh, son to be involved when it comes time for me to be an overbearing <sighs> good overbearing baseball dad do I want to put myself that's a good question? It? Yeah,
1: there are a lot of people in baseball who have a problem with perfect game and like the showcase environment in general. Peter Gammons wrote a thing recently about that. Like, there are some issues with it, right? If you have to pay to play, then you're eliminating portions of the talent pool that can't do that. Yeah, um, which is why a lot, you know, like there's just not a whole lot of kids from disadvantaged socioeconomic backgrounds who play in these tournaments. But for baseball, it's a very efficient – like I'm not going to be the only person who works in baseball at this thing this weekend. It's an efficient place to look at a bunch of players at one time. I mean these tournaments take place on the backfields of Major League Spring Training facilities. So you can go to the, the Padres Complex and like walk from field to field and see a bunch of kids. Or if like you're at the Cubs facility and there's a quad, you can watch you can walk twenty feet and be at a different game. Like literally watch three or four games at a time. There are times when I'm down what is like the first baseline of one field and the third baseline of a different field and just looking in at two different hitters simultaneously you know
0: like, what? pitch to pitch. I'm glad you said something. You used a word if you're at a quad, a quad you yeah. said. And I assume this is the term that you use to describe what I consider, um, one of the few instances, the, the few, um, arguments for intelligent design in the universe is how four baseball fields, uh, fit together if you put their home plates, you know, in rough proximity together, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and I know what you're talking about, you know, spend, having spent a little bit of time in these kind of backfields areas, it's a, There's something delirious and overwhelming about it. When you have four games going on simultaneously and you know, you know, you know, some one guy you want to see hit is on field three, but then you're trying to see a guy pitch on field one. And there's, there's just so much. And I, and I know I've spoken about this both with you and also uh, one of your predecessors, Kyla McDaniel, about the Mm -hmm. sort of pleasures of being overwhelmed With all this, uh, you know, uh, observational data, and then and then attempting to, almost in real time, attempting to make sense of it, you know, or at least record what's most relevant. But so you call it a quad? Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's sort of what I've taken to calling it. Yeah. yeah. And do you hear
0: other people use this term as well?
1: Yeah, or people might uh, refer to the tower that's often uh, like in the middle of all four fields is, you know, like that's what they'll refer to the area as. Like people sort of have different ways. Have you ever been up in a tower? Like the quad. Yeah. Yeah. You walk up in the tower and even though I don't necessarily know if I'm always supposed to Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) because it's like a lot of team personnel up there and stuff. So like if I'm at the Cubs facility, even if it's not a Cubs event that's going on, if when you look up there, like it is – full of Cubs staffers like there are other scouts and stuff up there too and I don't think there's anything explicit denying me access to it but like if if I got to do it because I think like I got to keep tabs on a couple things at once and I think it's advantageous for me to go up there like yeah I just kind of go up there okay that's good that's but and part of like I've been doing this now for almost 10 years and it's just part of the reason I've gotten this far is just because when I have khaki pants and a polo shirt on like I just kind of look like I'm supposed to be anywhere I want in baseball
0: that's right. That is the um, – that's the way to, to blend in. You're almost invisible yeah. at that point.
1: Be be like a a younger white guy with khakis and a polo shirt on and like you can kind of walk wherever you want. Mm-hmm. I've gotten lost in the bowels of MLB stadiums and been in places where like no – like I should not be. <laughs> but no one is like, hey, you probably shouldn't be here mm-hmm. because I just look like I could – like anyone else. It's like
0: – it's, an, it's a bit of an place. American psycho situation, isn't it? It's a it's
1: like being trapped
0: in yeah. reverse. You
1: you you even if you had It's a lot like that Carson actually. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did this weekend.
0: No, but it, like it right. the thing is like even if you had ill intent you you wouldn't no, no one no one would stop you. They'd they'd send you in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that uh mm-hmm. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to uh uh ripple these waters around, you know? But that might be uh, what what what's called white privilege. That might be. Yeah, that's exactly the phrase I was about to use.
1: And it's kind of funny that, like, you know, Brett Eaton Ellis wrote that almost what is a I don't know. I think just think people people think that uh, his that that movie in particular like glorifies that sort of behavior. When like I watched it and thought it was uh, very satirical. Mm -hmm. But it is funny that that movie is like clearly, uh, amplifying the idea of white privilege and sort of making fun of how, uh, pervasive and horrendous it is. And but like a lot of people who, I think a lot of people who, uh, talk about white privilege as a thing and they're, they're right, but the ones who really pound the table about it like hate Brett Eaton Ellis for some reason.
0: Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'll be honest, his, I don't...
1: his most prominent work is sort of right in lockstep with the thing, this thing that they think is.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't know much about uh, the reception of Brett Easton Ellis. Although Brett e- Brett Eaton Ellis, Brett Eaton Ellis,
1: mm-hmm. there's just a lot of people who I've who find his. I'm sure that he says controversial Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. Anyone who wrote that would. Must Would. have. He's an opinionated.
0: I was going to ask you this
1: question. I'm afraid to communicate. And in, in, in yeah. clandestine
0: fashion, surreptitiously, I have begun to answer the question, which was: In any given year, how many kids out of Arizona do you think are taken in the in the first round? Because I was thinking, well, if you're going to go in look the at the first round, yeah, I was going to say if you're going to go look at only oh. kids from Arizona, which you're not. So it, at some level, the question is right, yeah. moot. Um. But it, yeah, in any given year, and I can I can tell you the answer for the last two drafts, is zero.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, but uh, there was a kid, Trevor Rogers, taking out New Mexico, which is near mm-hmm. Arizona.
1: Mm-hmm, not really. I mean, <laughs> and then he was in Carl's. Rogers was in Carlsbad, and that was one of the most uh, laborious treks for area scouts last year because it was like they'd have to. Fly to El Paso and then drive to Carlsbad. Like, it was bad. Uh, so yeah, like, oh. New Mexico's next to Arizona, but it's not fun getting
0: there. No, oh, right. Was he not, a, was, he, was yeah. he not part of the showcase circuit? Really? Yeah. Rogers? No, Rogers was
1: at, like, the perfect game oh, okay. All right, stuff? Then. Yeah. Alright. Yep. Um. There were I, there was I know a Four Corners scout who was at every single one of his starts. A guy who lives here, like in the Phoenix area. Wait,
0: wait, wait, what are you talking about? How would he get down? What did he was go- at
1: every Trevor Rogers start in Carlsbad.
0: He would go to Carlsbad all the time.
1: Was. All the time, yeah, like on a weekly basis.
0: Hmm. I guess he probably knew Trevor yeah. Rogers work pretty well by the end of it, huh?
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Four Corners.
1: They did not draft him. They did not draft. Him, yeah. <laughs> they did not draft. Hmm.
0: Well, I don't know, sad story. So, yeah, so it seems like not recently. Well, part part of the problem, isn't it, that, uh, that Arizona State team seems not to have produced much uh, high level talent in recent years. Not yeah, first round talent. It's
1: always, if you're, Arizona State's program is not in, in a good spot, Um it's, it's hard, like just, the stuff you're describing, like, yes, I share your, I share your frustration. Uh, since I've What's moved my here. Well, uh, with being, no, I don't know. But like, I, I agree with your evaluation of the talent and the amateur right. talent in Arizona recently hasn't, hasn't been very top heavy. Um, but yeah, like, the Arizona State program is sort of in a weird spot. Two years ago, they had a bunch of commits who were on, uh, Keith and mine top 100 list at ESPN, uh, and just like none of them got to campus. And so they lost a bunch of mid-round talent, uh, Colby Woodmansey who's in the Mets system oh, yeah. and, uh, um, Ryan Kellogg, who's in the Cubs system. Uh, they just had like a strong pitching staff that all sort of graduated at the same time. And so none of the guys that they that were committed ended up getting to campus. Uh, Bo Bichette, Reggie Lawson, uh, like these are good pro prospects who just didn't make it to campus. All but one signed when they were drafted, uh, Hunter Bishop, uh, who was a frustrating but clearly talented freshman last year. So, like uh their program is not in good shape right now. There's a lot of they had a lot of issues in the locker room. Some kids were uh, booted off the team last year, even as like the season was just about to end, you know. Um, so that was sort of an issue. And then like Arizona, the University of Arizona's had some talented kids, like Bobby Dahlbeck, but he had his own issues with performance as a junior. Uh, and they just have a whole lot of really good Division One college players that aren't necessarily good pro prospects. And then, like, that's kind of it as far as major colleges go in the state of Arizona. And, like, I know we've talked about Grand Canyon and stuff, but, like, they just don't have – they have a, a growing program but not, like, first-round talent on that team. And so, like, that's it for major colleges in Arizona. So, yeah, it's, unless they're a bunch of high schoolers – um. There's not going to be, there's not typically going to be first round picks. Bobby Dahlbeck ended up in the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, and like, because so much of Arizona, the development is not player development, but like human. There's, I don't know if you know this. There's not like water here naturally. So the Phoenix area is growing and the Tucson area is large, but like other than that, there's not really a whole lot of huge population bases here so i mean
0: probably that's for the good right in terms of like a uh, cosmic justice right biological yeah. humans humans should not be everywhere in arizona it's the desert and as you've pointed out you're reluctant to leave your home on many days uh, because it's 119 degrees. Did you not say 119 degrees to me the other day?
1: Yesterday, it was 109. It's September 109,
0: 109, sorry. 14th.
1: 14th. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that period has ended for us. But yeah, like living here is an affront to nature, but so is like air conditioning in general. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you, you could ar- argue that like farming is an affront to nature if you really wanted to. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that. That we selectively bred carrots so that they're all orange now. Like that you could argue that that is affront to nature too. But yeah, like yeah. there certainly people who live here, who move here from the Midwest and want a nice lush green lawn and have to flood their front yard to get it. Uh, like that's probably not a good idea. Right. Uh, but like people could probably live here, yeah. But we'll have a couple first-rounders next year I'm sure. Really? I'm sure of it. Yeah, Yeah. Of, Nolan Gorman. There's a third baseman named Nolan Gorman. Uh, and a left-handed pitcher named Matthew Librator, who I think are both going to be first-round picks.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And these are high school kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are they going to be at the perfect game showcase that you'll be attending?
1: The uh Librator is on a roster. I have to speak with someone mm-hmm. who would know if he's actually going to pitch. Sometimes some of the more high-profile guys get put on one of these rosters to get, like, people like me to come see the team. and But that player doesn't actually show up. And unless I check, like, I don't have ways of knowing if that player is actually going to be there unless I either go and am potentially disappointed or, like, I can check beforehand. These are things I've learned over the course of the years, like, the hard mm-hmm. way. Showing up and being like, where's this guy? He's like, oh, he didn't come. Then why is he on the roster? To get you... T- well, because, you know, there's a reason given... And but the real reason is that like he was put on the roster to get the scouts to show up to the game. Yeah, dummies like you. So like Librator's on a roster, but I don't know if he's gonna, th- yeah, throw or not.
0: And then and then Nolan Gorman, third base prospect.
1: Gorman, I don't. Gorman, I don't think I've seen on a roster yet. Mm-hmm. But I've seen. Uh, I'm actually looking at one right now where there are kids from the same high school as him. So maybe. Look at you and
0: we are we're in it we're in it with Eric Longenhagen right now Eric Longenhagen on the phone
1: isn't it fun
0: yeah it's pretty good hey let me ask you this question um, yes. you uh, i assume that it, that you're uh preparing to write or are in the process of yes. gathering information for your uh for your giant and probably burdensome prospect lists, organizational prospect lists.
1: Uh, yeah, like that's sort of in the, the nation stages. Mm-hmm. I've got that, I don't know if maybe that'll, it'll be up by the time the podcast is up, but I've got the whole shortstop body thing I'm working on, which if oh, yeah, you're we're not we're, already we're aware of that while you're listening to that. this, that will become clear soon. Um, and then I'm working on my hardball times annual piece. And, uh, but yeah, I have begun to like, Think about off-season prospect lists and, like, maybe start sourcing on some particular players and some parti- from some particular organizations that I'll be starting with.
0: Well, it yeah. So we when we were on the phone yesterday, um, you and I, not unlike I had done uh, for uh, for the benefit of FanGraphs Audio the day before, um, you and I were speaking to uh, at some length about the difficulties of projecting hitters in general at this point at under mm-hmm. at, attempting to make a uh, make an estimate as to what a a hitter in particular to what his uh pa- his ceiling is for power in the future
1: yeah i mean it's what are we at now guys with 20 or more home runs is like something like 140 guys like 140 players with 20 or more home runs this season, I think. But what's... It's something in that stratosphere. And specifically, like... What, what The guy I mentioned to you on the phone yesterday was Francisco Lindor. Right. And we could talk about a lot of different players who... It's shocking to see how many home runs they've hit. Uh, Freddie Galvis with 20 last year was like... The one where I was like, what is going on? And... But I love Francisco Lindor. Um, he, he is one of the best prospects I've ever seen during the, that year where like up at the top of lists was Lindor, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, like this group of prospects, like Lindor was my guy among all of those players. Um, But even I did not anticipate he'd hit 20 home runs, like let alone 30 home runs in a season. And I guess like there's a chance that maybe it's uh, like uh, an outlier season for him. We've seen that before with like Joe Maurer and stuff. It happens. But just because of the baseball itself, the way players are altering, the way teams are learning about what swings enable this sort of power output and the way hitters are quickly able to implement it now, like it's just really hard to get a feel for projecting power, or at least I think so, or I'm at least like nervous about it, like a little self-conscious about it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think you should be.
1: Yeah, I think you should be. I agree. And
0: here's another – so you and I have, uh, have spoken on the air about this, about – What may or may not be your blind spots as a prospect, as as a as a prospect Mm -hmm. analyst, right? And organizationally, I think if you were to rank them one to thirty in terms of uh, most intimate knowledge and least intimate knowledge, I I don't think I'm telling tales out of school when I suggest that the St. Louis Cardinals would be ranked thirtieth in terms of your, uh, you know, your um, pool of information.
1: Right. I have to work. Extra hard on the Cardinal stuff because I just I just don't run into their guys on my own very often.
0: Paul DeYoung, a, a product mm-hmm. of what the, the Missouri Valley Conference, Illinois State,
1: mm-hmm.
0: has hit twenty-two home runs as a major leaguer in fewer than four hundred plate appearances. He uh, before that playing at uh, AAA with I suppose Memphis. Uh, he had thirteen home runs and hundred. He has thirty-five home runs between the two levels right now. <laughs> and and <clears throat> so that, that's one guy in the Cardinals, Jose Martinez, uh, about whom uh, Dave Cameron just wrote today. Jose Martinez you're familiar with Jose Martinez? He's been around. I
1: mm-hmm. mean, you probably
0: haven't a- had to cover him in, at any great length. He's always been, um, he, he's always had an odd profile because I don't think he's ever, he, I don't think he's ever hit. I mean, I, he'd barely hit ten home runs in a minor league season before this year.
1: Right, he's twenty nine.
0: He's twenty nine. <clears throat> he's a giant, tall guy. He's what six, 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 seven, something like that.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Um, and he's just been like a contact hitter, um, but confined to a corner outfield position. So, you know, if you say that's if you say he's finished, if, if you say that that's the final product, then you know you say well you, he might have some use as a as a bench player at some point, but it's not a great yeah. profile. Uh, he's hit thirteen home runs this year.
1: Four. Yeah, he's like I think I checked. I saw Dave's piece, yeah. and I went and I looked, and I was like, "All right, so he had a four. I think it was like a four ten career slugging percentage in the minors, and he's slugging five forty three in Major League Baseball." Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so so as you said, you you feel vulnerable at some level. Of uh-huh. course you do, because you know I know maybe Jose Martinez is a player about whom you know, you could expect it in a way that you might not for another type of player because he's a big guy, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the physics sort of, the physics of it makes sense. But Francisco Lindor is not a big guy, you know? He's strong. No. He's, strong. he's strong and yeah. he's got uh, great hand-eye coordination. Uh, he makes a lot of contact, so maybe that's part of it. But um, but I don't know, you know, Paul DeYoung, same thing you know when he was raking at illinois state i don't know that necessarily caught, i mean he made it to the fourth round if i told you if you if you are the uh, general manager or scouting director for a team and i said this guy will put up a two win season in, in literally in two year two years from now you'd have to select him in the first round right yeah i said yeah. he's going to put up a two win season he's going to hit 20 home runs and play shortstop if I tell you, I can guarantee you this player will hit 20 home runs and play shortstop, a, a league average shortstop.
1: He's a top five pick.
0: He's a top five pick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, I think...
0: He won the fourth round. Paul went won the fourth round.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but like now, the caveat here is we were last year at this time. People were like, "Wow, look at Aledmas Aled, Diaz." Yeah. Um, and like three weeks ago, Rafael Devers looked like some sort of Uber power hitting, like incredible, and he uh, he's been bad for like the last three weeks. And we did this with Aaron Judge in the first half, and then he's fallen off in the second half. Still been
0: worth six wins, so...
1: Yeah, right, of course. Yeah. But, so, like, with DeYoung and Reese Hoskins, like, let's allow for the big leagues to adjust Mm -hmm. before we go bananas, or at least I think that's prudent. But, yeah, like, it is weird that Paul DeYoung is... Hitting like this. I mean, I liked him last year. I had a 45 on him. I ranked him 13th in the Cardinal system.
0: And if I told you, uh, I don't know why we're talking so much. Was, you're just you're a GM, and you're just talking to me, a guy at his home. That's weird. But if I said this player, this player will have a 45 future value ranking. I think that I think you would think that's great value for a fourth round pick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I could probably. Yeah, look I saw DeYoung young in the fall league last year, and I was like, "Oh, I think the quality of this guy's contact when he makes it is good." Yeah. So I put a 45 on the bat, which I think, based on his strikeout rate, is pretty, and how aggressive he is. Like that's reasonable. Even though he's hitting like 290, he strikes out a lot, so it's like a fringe hit tool. But then I put a 45 on the the game power because I thought that he'd swing and miss. Too much to get to all of his raw, and it just you know that just has not been. If he continues like this, like that is just not correct.
0: Yep. You're exposed, Eric Longenigan.
1: We're just seeing a.
0: You familiar with gotcha journalism? Gotcha.
1: <laughs> yes, I am.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
1: No, it's darn it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry about that. Oh. So yeah, so you so you're going to be contending with the Cardinals. So you, it,
1: it's your. Is it possible that just the i, uh, the idea that uh, a below-average hit tool, detracting from power, is incorrect, and that uh, as the hit tool on paper looks worse that the way the power plays in fact goes up because you're trading the two of them off they're mutually exclusive
0: no there ha- i mean there's some trade off but at the same time every home run counts as a hit and therefore <laughs> i mean there's obviously there's some interactivity mm-hmm. between the hit tool and the power tool right because it, mm-hmm. because a home run counts as a hit
1: do you just need to have some sort of baseline raw power that allows you to drive the ball over the in the air far enough that it goes over the fence. Cause obviously like the batting average on balls in play for ground balls is higher than it is for fly balls. But mm-hmm. if you, if you're strong enough to hit the ball in the air far enough, it doesn't matter.
0: Right. Exactly. You hit it over all of the fielders and you are awarded a home run as part of the rules of baseball. Yeah. I don't think that there, I mean, I think that there are, there are multiple variables. Some pull the grades closer together um, or, or buoy them both up. And then, and then there are others that, yeah, you had to make, maybe make them go the opposite way. That's right. Yeah, cause you say this guy, we've said this before, I mean, well, you could, you might describe one guy as hit before power, hit before power, you might describe, describe another guy as power before hit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I say to you hit before power, which, uh, and that will do like a, um, this is like an inkblot test, right? This is a, this mm-hmm. would be like a psychological test for Eric Longenhagen. If I say hit before power, which which player – what sort of image? Which player um, appears in your mind? Uh,
1: hit before power. Like uh, Daniel Murphy.
0: Oh, okay. Perfect. That's great.
1: D, DJ LeMay, Hugh probably.
0: Okay. Now, which version uh, of Daniel Murphy? The current one or the one from like four No, like ago? the
1: classic. Yeah, like the – the first three albums. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so up to Vitalogy. And then after that.
1: <clears throat> Anyone whose style of hitting prioritizes lots of contact instead of uh, loud fly ball contact is someone who I'd say is like hit before power.
0: How about Luis Urias? Yeah. Luis Urias And then uh, I'm going to say the words to you Power before hit And who, who What formulates
1: What image Ryan Howard yeah. uh, Like why are, There are so many Clear examples of this I don't know why I can't think Mark of Trumbo uh, Yeah How about, how yeah. about
0: Javier Baez uh yeah. Certainly has some violence um, in this thing, doesn't he?
1: Who else is like a an obvious power before hit guy? You know, just like the guy it's just there's so many guys who strike out a ton and hit for a lot of power. Like it's hard to find someone who stands out among such a huge group now. Yeah.
0: Alright.
1: That was just a little that was a um Cody Bellinger, that like that style of hitting.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now really nailed that down. So, oh right, back to this point though, with regard <laughs> to the Cardinals, you will be. Perhaps we can make this a part of your Cardinals list, right? And I'll participate if you want. We can get other people to participate if you want, or no one has to participate, including yourself. But it might be. That'd
1: be great. Here's the Cardinals list.
0: I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a particular section in the Cardinals list. Do you remember do you remember when you when you published like your first couple of lists last year? And <clears throat> you were now the lists are already ambitious. But you were these lists were even more ambitious because you had a section that was like uh, you know, guy who didn't make it or something?
1: Yeah, and a bunch of other things. Yeah. That ultimately, I was just like, I don't really need any. Yeah, I
0: think to be fair, it probably didn't apply to every organization, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's when I really started running into it. Was I think because I, st- I started with the Diamondbacks, right? And I was like, okay, well, I have Yoan Lopez. Like, well, what do I do with Yoan Lopez? And you can almost just put him separately away from everybody else because he has this type of talent, but this sort of baggage where he almost can't. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen with this guy. And then it quickly became apparent that, like, not every team had a guy like that. Right. Or not every team had – uh like, I had that uh, additional viewing section where I was like, here, like, if you like Padres Prospects, watch this thing. And it was the, the game they had against the Rangers Prospects in San Diego that was, like, televised and had all sorts – like, it was just an interesting thing to watch if you liked Padres Prospects because it was just all of their best guys playing in – a game or two in San Diego, but like not every team had anything like that, right? Or anything remotely like that. So it quickly became like I should just do this stuff.
0: Did it become an albatross? Do you then, think? I yeah, I guess so.
1: Um, uh, w- well, for the Cardinals, a if you assuming that Fangraphs is looking for someone to like throw off the if side you of
0: were, if you were inclined, <laughs> if you were inclined be. to do. Uh, to include one of these extra sections, you can do it for the Cardinals, and you could attempt to identify those players most likely to become the next Cardinals player. And do you know what I'm saying? The next, the, the this Cardinals type uh, who emerges mm-hmm. from nowhere. You know?
1: If I had to pick a guy?
0: Yeah, I mean, you can do it right now if you want. You don't have to.
1: Are you asking me if I would do that? Oh, yeah, applies. you could do
0: you could do that, is my point. That could be a second. I could do
1: that, yeah. It seems to happen pretty consistently. Sure does. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I suppose that could be done.
0: It could be done. I noticed you used the passive voice there.
1: I'm trying to think of it. Could who be it done, be. Could be done mean, by like, whom. Let's look at I don't know, a Springfield roster. Yeah. Alright.
0: What about Breivik Valera?
1: Blair is kind of interesting, right? Like, he's been an upper-level performer. He looks on paper like, oh, this guy hits and plays all these different defensive positions. Uh, but, I mean, like, the reports I got on him when I did the Cardinals list last year were there were some th- 30s in there that he was just an upper-level org player, can really play the premium positions defensively that it looks like he does on paper, and so like maybe he's a bench bat of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, like he definitely sort of fits that statistical bill. Uh but I'm still kind of skeptical. All right, I got um, I got a
0: couple more names for you. Ready? Go ahead. Randy Arrozarena. Randy yeah. Arrowsarena.
1: <clears throat> Arrowsarena is this little Cuban 22 or 23-year-old uh, second base left field kind of had as – uh as a Cuban prospect when international – when I was talking to international scouts about him, uh, more of like a utility vibe, uh, some – above average to plus tools but maybe not enough offensive impact to play second base every day to play left field every day um, some people thought that he had a chance to be like uh like your one or two hole hitter type uh the tradu- that very traditional outdated two hole hitter type of back control uh, bat. guy yeah you know like the 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 bunting running uh top of the order catalyst, but you know statistically we know now that like this type of hitter isn't necessarily what you want up there um but he had a what a pretty solid season at at high a right
0: high a and yeah. double a this year
1: yeah, he spent the second half of the year in double A, right?
0: That sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, yeah, I don't
1: know how – again, he – I don't know how much thump there's going to be there. to Like if we're talking about a guy who's a second base slash left field type of guy. Um, But that's kind of what I've thought about some of the other names that we've already mentioned. So <laughs> – and they've hit for a ton of – like I said – Uh, Just there are guys who don't hit for power, the minor leagues, who don't look like they have – there's going to be a whole lot of game power there that they've come up and they're doing what Jose Martinez and Paul DeYoung are doing.
0: Okay, and are you ready for one more name? Are you prepared? Yeah,
1: let me do another one. Yeah.
0: Jacob Wilson.
1: Oh, weird. No, I can't – I cannot endorse that.
0: (laughs) I don't feel strongly about it, but uh, just – why, what are your um, – please unload your file on Jacob Wilson.
1: Wilson's another, like, corner infielder, first and third base. He's probably played some second base too. Yeah. Holy crap. I just looked at his baseball reference page. He's played 17 games at a shortstop this year too. Yeah, like, I, I saw Wilson in the fall league. Uh, he was a multi-year fall leaguer. He's 26 now. And, oh, he did like 17 home runs. Like, yeah, like, that's the sort of guy who, it's first base, third base, left field. And there's, unless he's like a bench bat who plays those positions, uh, I don't know. Like, there's just not enough, I don't see enough bat there to play one of those positions every day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But but isn't that the isn't that the way of the Cardinals prospect who yeah, rises seems to be out of nothing?
1: But tell me list off all the other guys who are like that. On the Cardinals? That sure, have come out just of the Cardinals? like if yeah, so like Matt Carpenter is probably the best of those guys, right? Yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah, go ahead.
0: I will attempt to Present some names. Well, miss Diaz. Uh,
1: right, but some, I don't think that that's that was real.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh Tommy Fam.
1: Okay. Who's been a Are you four sure win? That that's real.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Tommy Fam is real. Okay. I mean, not not four to five win player every year, but I think that he's he actually has he actually has like a some like physical tools.
1: Yeah, and it's sort of strange, right, that he absolutely looks the part. Like you look at him in a uniform and you're like, how come nobody ever noticed this guy Mm -hmm. in the way that, like, guys who are built like that get noticed?
0: Yeah, well, I think it was a combination of injury, right, and then also just um, uh, inability to make contact, which, uh, you know, uh, it does appear as though uh, getting his eyes fixed uh, has helped him. That That was an issue for him. Um
1: that's that's an important part of hitting.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh David Fries. Um and David Fries ter- David Fries actually uh transformed I, I don't think he got his his career got started till somewhat later, maybe twenty seven, something like this. His um he transformed to a, a, set, a to like the very definition of average. Which is a great thing to be in the, in the major leagues. There are very few average players. Mm-hmm. To be consistently Um, I mean, he uh, once again this year he was worth um, nearly two wins in less than 500 plate appearances. Fewer than 500 plate appearances, what I ought to say. Uh, So there, I've said it. But uh, yeah, he did. He's uh, you know he's been average. Great, good job, Dave Freeze. Um, uh, Matt Adams, I think. You know, I mean, it it hasn't worked out entirely. Oh, but didn't he have?
1: Flaherty had some – or not Flaherty. Adams had some pedigree.
0: Did he? he was, yeah. Well, he's drafted 23rd I mean, round. I don't know what he what his uh...
1: – He was?
0: Yeah. I don't know if he
1: was some others. Maybe that's just because, like, like a... he was someone when he was in college. I was on because he was, like – he was in, at Slippery Rock in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so when I was, like, doing – when I was looking at amateur players in Pennsylvania, like, the – the first baseman at Slippery Rock was like, like that's an important thing, I guess. Um,
0: so yeah, so and, and he actually he actually did have a decent, uh, I don't know, latter half of his season after getting traded to Atlanta.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, yeah,
1: so much so that they tried Freddie Freeman at third base.
0: Right, and then uh, this probably. I mean, there are names. There are names I'm omitting. Okay, I don't know. That's some, that's a bunch of guys.
1: Yeah, there are definitely a bunch of guys. Did I say John Jay? Yeah, Jay's another
0: one. Yeah. I mean, John Jay, I don't know if he was not a star, but uh he's still playing. Reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, guys who, for one reason or another, did not fit um, somewhere, you know? I mean, I don't think John Jay really ever looked like a center fielder, did he?
1: He had kind of thick legs. and Not really. Yeah. You know. I think if I had to pick someone I, Jose Adol Jose Adolis Garcia uh another Cuban outfielder who when he came over from uh Cuba like I was so sure that he was just like a four, a good fourth outfield prospect maybe a low end regular uh but he appears to to have made some substantive changes mm-hmm. I wrote about him on one of the daily prospect notes midseason uh, so I think that there might actually be more there.
0: I think that part of I think that part of these sort of uh, I don't know what Luke you want to call Floyd, it. Maybe the, the Cardinals. So he might have graduated. What's that?
1: I said Luke Voigt maybe too, but I think he he might have graduated at this point. He might have had enough time on the roster. to yeah. have graduated off.
0: I think that one uh, in, um, central quality, one main quality to all of these players is that uh, they don't have a particularly strong defensive profile, or they don't necessarily seem as though they profile for the position that they're playing. Right. And in most organizations you would expect the the player in question to, um, you know, to slide down the defensive spectrum, but for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. either because uh, the Cardinals uh, don't mind conceding the runs on defense or they feel as though they can uh, manipulate They can um, mitigate the damages by uh, positioning or um, they can actually teach skills at the major league level perhaps. Uh, It doesn't happen really, you know. It doesn't happen. I mean Paul Paul (coughs) DeYoung playing a a league average shortstop I think is an example of that. There he is. Judge Giorco playing some shortstop.
1: League average average shortstop is relative to the rest of the league though, right? I just – so while I still don't think DeYoung is a shortstop in the traditional sense, and I wouldn't – I'd hesitate to evaluate him as one. But I think across baseball that more guys like that are just playing shortstop every day, which has sort of shifted what we view as an a, the average shortstop statistically.
0: Yeah, that might be it. It may be uh, – because uh, I don't think – I'm not sure that batting average on balls and play has changed that much. But maybe it's partially as um, – there's a, there are two forces at work. One is maybe slightly. Here's a possible theory. Don't know if it's true. But on the one hand, you could have slightly less able defenders, but then slightly more sophisticated positioning, and the two would uh, the two would cancel each other out. Yeah,
1: you think mm-hmm. you, I agree. What do you
0: think about that hypothesis?
1: I 100% agree with you. It's uh, a hypothesis that people in baseball I've talked to have uh, espoused. Specifically regarding uh like a, I talked to an org who thought Ian Happ was going to be fine at second base specifically because of what you described like that's just one example yeah. Uh yeah like we've I, I've written about this is a thing and like anytime I talk about guys who I think are like on the fringe of being able to play a shortstop like it's just I pro- my eyes are probably not as liberal as uh some forward-thinking organization, right. organizations are about that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting too. Because, it, well, <clears throat> you also it have probably to, becomes
1: more viable. So, sorry,
0: no, no, no. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say it probably becomes more viable as hitters become more one-dimensional as well. Why is that? Well, if everyone on in your lineup is a pull-only hitter, because that's what hitters are becoming. Then it's just more advantageous for the, like the defense can shift more often.
0: Ah, I see what you're saying. Right. So if there is a tendency to hit the ball in one direction or another, um, then you can hide. It'd be easier to hide certain players. Yeah, that's a, that's a theory. Or you can.
1: Yeah, my work? theory is that if as hitters become this new age hitter, mm-hmm. I think that hitter's ground ball batted ball profile is a lot of. Pulling the ball on the ground, which means that teams are going to be able to. The, the, the area of field that is possible to hit a ground ball on, and teams will shift their fielders appropriately, is just smaller. Like, there's just this, you know. So, players like this defensively can kind of. They can hack it when you've got three guys on the left side of the infield. Like, there's just not as much ground that needs to be covered.
0: The, the best player in the major leagues right now by war never to have appeared on a top 100 list.
1: Is it Blackman?
0: Oh, it's, okay, so it's not Blackman. Blackman's second.
1: Is it, he on a hondo? What's that? Was Blackman on a 100 list? No,
0: no, no. He wasn't. No, and I lied to you yesterday. You said we were talking about Charlie Blackman, and I said he had the highest – uh, war figure in the majors. I should correct myself. It was the National League. Okay. Um, so he actually has the.
1: So it's Altuve. Then.
0: It's Altuve. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the war leaderboard currently has Al- uh, Jose Altuve, Anthony Rendon, and Charlie Blackman. They are one in three, and they are uh, if you were to they are one and two among players who were who did not appear in the top one hundred list. Actually, sorry, they're also one in three on players because if you include pitchers, then Corey Kluber goes in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh for our for our sakes, not for the sake of this program, but uh for the sake of readers everywhere, uh Jeff Sullivan looked at um looked at the best players who were who also were not considered top prospects. It was like, do you, do you have any other guesses about players who might appear in the top 10 uh hitters and pitchers?
1: Uh Jose Ramirez.
0: Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez, yes, he is fifth on the list. Now we've already talked about the first three: Jose Altuve, Corey Kluber, Charlie Blackman. Oh, Kluber. Hmm?
1: Uh, other guys who weren't on hundred weren't on hundred list.
0: Like preseason, is not Bats up there? what's that?
1: Mookie, Mookie,
0: Mookie's not on a list right now. Or Mookie, uh, actually, he mm-hmm. might have ended up on a on a late top one hundred. Fam. Yes, Kami Fam. Yeah, Tommy Pham is seventh. So uh, four and six. Degrom, six. take it. Yes, Jacob Degrom ranked tenth among among this group with four wins, four point one wins specifically. You're doing a very good job. I feel.
1: Jimmy Nelson had a good year, but I feel like he was on mm-hmm. hundreds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm starting to run out of gas. I tell
0: you what, you wouldn't have to go far to see the fourth-ranked player live in person. Goldschmidt? Yeah, Paulie Goldschmidt.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's right. I guess he never was on 100. He's been
0: good. At his, he's been quite good as a major leaguer, obviously.
1: Yeah, really
0: good. Um, Justin yeah. Turner, number six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris Taylor. Uh,
1: what do you think my tone of voice implies there?
0: You're like, yeah, all right, fine. You're, you want to be—I don't know. Do you want to be done? Do you want to be done? No.
1: You don't want to be done. What an opportunity we have to. Well, like Turner, its it's just kind of sucks, right? Like, because I get like what Jeff is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Justin Turner's the guy who had a dramatic swing change after he was already a big leader, yeah. and so like when you're evaluating him as a prospect, and you're evaluating him based on what he's doing at that time, like it's hard to, to, to you know. Shake your finger at uh, the public sector prospect evaluation I don't think, machine, I don't, yeah. and be like, "You all missed on this guy."
0: I don't think that that's necessarily what Jeff. Well, that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a question then: If we can get to constructive territory, is there any is there any way that you could say that guy in particular is ripe for a swing change? Right, either ripe for. Or would be receptive to is probably something more difficult to know. I think you can make the case. I think more than almost any player, you can make the case that Jose Martinez on the St. Louis Cardinals was ripe for a swing change, simply because there was so much leverage um, given the raw tool, given you know the his body mm-hmm. um, that of course, of course, if you if he were to j- just by virtue of physics. If he were to um reorganize the how the or you know rework how the parts of the machine moved, then he would be able to generate leverage that's not shocking. it is more shocking no, than Jose not. Ramirez does it it is Jose Ramirez had his virtues as a prospect right he mm-hmm. was a good fielder um I don't necessarily know what what his reputation was at shortstop, but he was i think he was at the very least regarded as passable shortstop while definitely being able to play second or third so that's good that's positive defensive value and he also made lots of contact if i told you if you were if you if you were my old gm friend we're always talking right and i'm at my i'm just at my house you know and you're at your job as a gm of a baseball team you know how we do this all the time and i told you Jose Ramirez is going to hit 26 home runs. I don't think you would have thought that that was likely. You know.
1: No, I would not have thought so. Yeah.
0: He's, had, he's got 26 home runs this year.
1: But how much of that is about Jose Ramirez and how much of that is about other factors that have nothing to do with Jose Ramirez? Do
0: you want the exact, the exact relation? No,
1: I just think that it's a question worth asking. No. <clears throat> sure. I don't know the answer.
0: No, no you don't. Well, who has – I mean, he has more home runs. Jose Ramirez has has more home runs than lots of people on that team, lots of people in baseball, right? He's got more home runs than – Yeah. He's got more home runs than uh, Carlos Santana, who's a bigger person. Yeah. Yeah, and fewer plate appearances. He's got more home runs.
1: Did you see the uh, the Fangraphs community post about, uh, like, viewing – what was it? Reverse engineering swing paths based on StatCast data? Oh, no. Tell me about it. Uh, it was literally – I had an exact conversation with uh, someone in baseball about doing that. They had done that exact thing, mm-hmm. like, three days ago. So it was really interesting to see it on Fangraphs. Yeah. But it is, this is where I think, uh, you can start to identify if a certain player is, as you said, ripe for a swing change. Because we can have all these physical performance metrics about how hard a bat is swung. But if the plane of the bat, the point of contact, uh, is not good from a, like, launch angle perspective or Uh, something like that and you can see that the bat path from like stack cast data is just not conducive of of that sort of thing, then like that's where you can start to say, okay, like here's someone who has the physical tools to do damage offensively, but like their swing is not in a position where they're able to do that. Like that's the whole Yandy Diaz issue, Mm -hmm. right? And here's a guy who has this incredible play discipline. He's difficult to strike out, but his bat path does not allow him to do a whole lot of damage. He pounds the ball on the ground all the time and uh, being able to see like what needs to be adjusted mechanically uh, is just not it's I'm partially not comfortable with it and partially maybe I'm just not like good enough at this to be able to like see it. So, like, Travis Salchick brought it up on Twitter last week. And I tweeted at Travis, like, about why Yandy Diaz just, like, cannot become a, an impactful offensive player despite all the stuff that we know about him that is good. And I, like, responded to Travis and was like, well, it's just – just, his bat path is such that he drives the ball into the ground. You can – his is so obvious that you can see it visually. I wrote about it on, like, last offseason's Indians prospect list. But and then Travis's question to me was like, "Well, why?" And it's just like he just swings the he just swings the bat downward. Like I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> he just chops it down. <laughs> so there's probably someone out there, yeah. <laughs> you know, like all these hitting gurus and shit on Twitter, like someone has to be right. And sometimes they're probably right, and sometimes they're probably wrong. Just like anybody else who's analyzing baseball players. So like there probably is an answer to that. Like the, I just don't necessarily know what it is. And if if someone did, then maybe Yandy Diaz, like there just might not be an answer to that question because if someone knew, then the Yandi Diaz would be really good. <laughs> the Indians would pay someone to make Yandi Diaz really good. So, I mean, it should be, it should be said Yandi
0: Diaz actually has been pretty good recently, uh, but not not mm-hmm. because he's been hitting the ball out of the park a lot.
1: What's his ground ball percentage?
0: I, well, I can tell you that in a second, um, but I can tell you that he's been quite good and that also uh 60% he right now his, his it's 60% he's walked in 14% of his played appearances though he he has a, he has a, uh, mm. he has a strange profile
1: he's weird
0: and he's he weird
1: jacked too have you ever seen him
0: yeah he's a big old giant guy yeah he's not that old but big and giant yeah <clears throat> it's interesting um our uh, Let's see The resident Fangraph's resident For the month of September Mike Hattery uh, Wrote a piece about Eric Hasse yeah. Am I saying that right? Hasse?
1: I've heard it Hasse and Hase
0: Okay Let's say Hasse He wrote a piece about Eric Hasse A catcher In the Cleveland system mm-hmm. Who has had uh, Some good fortune This year Relative to Previous seasons He's hitting for more power than he has and it's possible uh, like a lot of things that it's tied to um, r- raising his launch angle right mm-hmm. to addressing his launch angle and he's hitting for more power now great piece by Mike because he integrates not only uh, the numbers from Hassey right uh, and conversations with Hasi himself but also um, but he also gets comments from Alex Eckelman. Assistant Director of Player Development for Cleveland, and he uh, also talks to the coach um, Dave Wallace, who was the coach of the uh, Akron Blatty Blas last year. You ever heard of them? Rubber name? Ducks. <laughs> yeah, the Akron Rubber Ducks, right? Um, and so, so he has it's, it's this great combination of of um, he really triangulates, right? So you get the full you get the full picture. And uh, towards the end of his piece. Uh, here Hattery writes this. Right, <clears throat> allow me to um, to read. Uh, he says, "Yet integrating sabermetrics into development, into player development, still represents a frontier." According to Wallace, that's Dave Wallace, the the manager of the Rubber Ducks from 2016, said the former manager. And this is all from Dave Wallace. He said, "He said I vividly remember in 2015, Alex Murberg, who's now the assistant director of baseball operations, then a baseball analytics intern." Coming into the office in Akron after a game to discuss Yandy Diaz's launch angle, he barely made it out of there alive that night. Yandy was having a fantastic year at the plate, and we had no proof launch angle mattered uh, much yet, so we weren't having any of that talk, right? So, so this is not just a dude outside of the organization; it's one of the the team's nerds, right? Comes in, and is like, hey, what can we do? Let's um, let's uh, let's get Yandy Diaz to start hitting the ball in the air. And there are obviously a variety of responses to have that. One of them is, well, let's not F with him. He's in the minor leagues. He's having a good season. He's probably – his trajectory says that so his trajectory as a player suggests it will be better than we anticipated or at least in the amount for which we paid, right? Mm-hmm. And so l- let's not screw with it. On the other hand, if you were like, well, he, man, he's got a lot of other things going for him, if we could also improve this, think of what a player Yandy Diaz would be. But this is within the organization itself, a sort of, um, question of how to, of how to handle a project like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how are you, Eric Longenhagen, who's having to contend with uh, 30 organizations, how are you, how are you supposed to keep, uh, keep track of these, these sorts of adjustments and improvements?
1: Uh, again, back to American Psycho, just a lot of cocaine. Um, and no. <laughs> The uh I don't know like it's it's hard. It's one of the things that I've found particularly challenging is to uh, like when do I when guys? So here's here's all right. So on a given night during the season, here's what I do. I'll try to make this brief. The Cali games end. And they're typically the last ones done because of how much offense is going on. And then I go through and all also the geography. box And also geography. Yeah, also geography. Yeah. Um, and then I go through all the box scores, all of them from that day. Uh, and just pick out the guys who I'm going to write about for the daily prospect notes the next day. And I just – anyone who had a big night – they get flagged and I open a new tab in my browser and then after I'm done looking at all the box scores and uh, opening up all the player pages, I make a continuum okay, on my browser tabs from left to right. The guys on the left are the guys I know I'm going to write about the next day. And as you work to because I know already know a bunch about them or they're big name guys who like people will click on or they're interesting for this reason or another, like I don't have to do any sourcing or work on them. I already know all about that guy, I can write about that guy very easily. Yeah. And then as you work toward the right, it's guys that I know less about and less about and less about. And then my rule is wherever I stop writing on that continuum from for the rest of the continuum I need to ask from right to left the next day about the rest of the guys. I need to like f- try to find someone who's seen them or try to find some information about them or like watch some video or do some biographical or like do something about that player just so next time that guy has a good night I know something about that player and can like write about them. So that's like my That was my process this season for like my first minor league season doing this job. Like that led me to discovering and like learning about players who had done some – who are doing something different or developing in this way or that way or whatever. And it just – it was good. I feel good about like the work I did during the season and I know a buttload about – why are they baseball players? Uh, but, like, t- it wasn't until late last night that I saw what Matt Olsen had changed. And it wasn't until June or July when, even though I had seen Eric Hasse or Hayes or whatever last fall league, that someone said, hey, like, this guy's a dude. Mm-hmm. So. I'm constantly looking for new ways to do what you said, which sent me on this entire diatribe, which is how do you identify guys who are making these changes? How do you catch up with it? And so like my answer at this point is like I still don't know the best way. That is how I've been doing it. I'm still looking for continuously better ways of doing it.
0: Well, if you want uh, – you may or may not be aware, um, batted ball data is available at yeah for minor league players. So you, so yeah. it is easier to track um, fly – guys who are hitting more fly balls now at least.
1: At what point <laughs> is that data stable?
0: Uh, ground ball rate typically – Becomes reliable more quickly than than other metrics.
1: Okay, so that might be something.
0: I don't know precisely. Um,
1: it is. I mean, I, so then, but there is a point, right? Yeah, where it becomes stable.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and it like, is
1: possible to see the changes you're describing visually before that data becomes stable.
0: No, uh, there's not. I mean, I don't
1: not. I like. Oh, okay. oh it is. So I let's it say. Is,
0: possible. is that what you're asking?
1: Right, so did you see what I tweeted about Matt Olsen this morning? No, I don't look at your tweets. What the hell? (laughs) Okay, so I – late last night after you and I got off the phone, I went and looked at Matt Olsen's film from last year, last September when he was called up. And then I looked at one of his better games from like this month. And like there are clear mechanical differences. They're just so blatantly obvious. Nobody had written about it yet. Nobody. There was one MLB.com article I found where someone was like, yeah, Matt Olson says that he changed this. But, like, no one had shown, like, hey, look at this. This is, like, much, much different. And it's so blatantly different that, like, if you have a photographic memory and can, like, remember what Olson had changed – because you saw him last year and then saw him early this year, then like before that ground ball rate, before his batted ball profile, which I don't think has changed very much, before that stabilizes, you could have seen with your eyeballs like a difference and gotten in on it earlier than anyone checking like the Fangraph's batted ball data from my leaguers would have seen. But like that's – so I just have to – I guess the answer is I just have to be everywhere.
0: (laughs) You need to pan – Pan, you need om, omniscience, omniscience, omnipotence.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'd eh. omniscience. Would you do either of those if you had the opportunity to? No, omnipotence, to no way.
0: No, you know what I would like to be able to do? Is no. nap, nap whenever it whenever oh. it appealed to me. Oh,
1: I, you can do that right now if you want. No, I can't. We've been going for a while. I can't. What do you have to do?
0: Well, first of all, I have a son. Well, I'm, okay. I'm babysitting him right now. He's napping right now, but I'm working. And then when I'm done with this, then I will wake him up and make sure he eats. Keep him alive. Wait, do you want me to keep my son alive? No. no, I do. It doesn't sound like you do. Sounds like you don't.
1: Keep him alive. <laughs> Just do it. It's not hard. <laughs> yeah, I want Just to keep put him food in. into his body.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to put some food into his body. Got to do that. Absolutely necessary. I should probably do that right now, actually.
1: But you know what, Eric? It, what a privilege
0: and a pleasure it is to, to to speak with you every
1: fortnight. Am I still of use to the company?
0: Yeah, it's not for me to say. Okay. I enjoy
1: speaking with you. I'm going to go see players this weekend. Yeah. So hopefully that shortstop, hopefully that shortstop piece goes off well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do it. Hey, what a, what a pleasure, as I say. Uh, thank you, Eric Longenhagen, for for making one of your Fortnite appearances. You're welcome. That has been Lead Prospect Analyst for Fangraphs.com. Eric Longenhagen, I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Bye. <laughs> well, wait, hold on. Stick around.
1: Bye. <laughs>